0: Bodhisattva's vow begins with the phrase, When I, a student of the way, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. In any event, in any moment, and in any place, None can be other than the marvelous revelation of its glorious light. In a way, we don't need to say any more than that. Just that is more than enough. But what is just that? When we start When I, a student of the way, what are we saying about student of the way? We could say it a practitioner of the way, a practitioner of the Dharma, or a practitioner of our life, which is being present in all the various functions and aspects of our life. And of course, it, we have to start with where we are, which means we start with how we believe our life circumstances conditions are for much of the time, much of us, much of our life, that's seeing, attending to clearly this thoughts, emotion, storm, this self other perspective, this like-dislike perspective that we have on the moment-moment events of our life. So, being a practitioner of the way means we begin by first Attending to and beginning to be aware of when those arise, when we believe them. Until we can start seeing that a little bit for what it is, we're just caught in. Trying to fix problems based on our inaccurate perception of what the problems are, what the cause is, and what will fix it. Then when we begin to practice and begin to notice that, the next statement is look at the real form of the universe. In a way, look is a shorthand. It's a shorthand for the whole functioning of being aware, being experiencing all the various aspects that we are this life that we are. All the various ways, so it's, whether it's seeing, hearing, smelling, it's the very experiencing that is this awareness that is our life, and which is what enables us to sense, to experience the real form of the universe, or if we say it as we say it in the practice principles, it's life as it is, real form of the universe. When, as we allow ourselves to be the real form of our life, which is the life of the universe, then we sense for ourselves and know for ourselves that all is the never-failing manifestation of this awakened life or what we call this mysterious truth of the awakened life. And we can say it's in Every event, in any event, in any moment, and in any place, which is to say it's in every event, in every moment, and in every place. None is other, none can be other than this life revealing itself. Revealing itself, what we call here, glorious light. Now, you all know this, or have heard this, because in one sense, this is what we state in shorthand, when we state the practice principles. This is what is over and over the encouragement of our practice. So let me for a moment read a way that Joko articulated this in a talk about Almost 30 years ago. When we sit and do Zazen, we more clearly perceive our self-centered thoughts and demands. Or what she sometimes calls false thoughts demands emotions. Which she calls false because it's based on an assumption that events, people, circumstances should be the way we want them to, the way we think, believe, are sure life should be, they should be, and of course grows out of what we want, don't want, like, don't want. So when we sit and do zazen and in throughout our life of practice we more clearly perceive our self-centered thoughts and demands that's we are a student of the way we have the opportunity she says to experience the bodily tension which invariably accompanies these demands as we patiently observe thoughts and experiencing and experiencing the body, simply seeing and allowing all to be as it is, not trying to improve ourselves, there will come a moment when the contraction will let go and we can suddenly see our life in a fresh and creative way. Which is, seeing all is the never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened way. And it's this shift, Joko says, after the shift is the time for practical action and speech. Only then. Is there a chance that our words and actions would unify rather than separate? Okay. This is in Bodhisattva's vow, we then say, this realization, it's with this realization, this what Choko calls this shift, Or this, if you want to say it differently, the ceasing to hold on to these demands of persons and events. Or ceasing to perceive out of just this self-centered thoughts and emotions. That we can then do extended tender care with respectful hearts. Then respond to all sorts of circumstances and conditions out of being this life that we are. Out of being whoever with whoever we encounter with being intimate with the as the awakened life moment that we embrace. So, in their own way, both Bodhisattvas vow, and you did it this morning. So you see all the elaboration. Of various aspects where if you want to say it our practice of the way gets tested by circumstances and that's of course what we do in our practice all the time get tested by the circumstances of life not in any um, what should I say, need to test us, but given the nature of life unfolding, we are tested. But our wants and assumptions keep getting thrown up, so to speak, by the circumstance of life and by then our ability to Notice them and see them so that we can be the awareness rather than be blinded by our demands, our wantings and not wantings, our blamings or neediness or all the other ways. And so, In a way, both are encouraging us and encouraging us, if you might want to say, in this spiral of practice because neither one is a so-called permanent shift most of the time for most of us. And we get to see where we're not willing to be the present moment because we're sure I know how he, she should be I insist I don't want that to be the way it is and all the other permutations that we can make for our self-centered thoughts, demands Beliefs, which is why when they arise, it's necessary for us to remind ourselves sometimes, to be reminded by noticing our upset and suffering as a reminder to, ah, I am believing and holding. Right here is my opportunity to so-called simply see and allow this to be as it is. Allow so-called even ourself to be this awareness experiencing. Of course, that's duplicative. Awareness and experiencing aren't two different things. It's just different ways of saying and different perspectives on this that we are. Now, in one sense you could say, well, it sounds good on paper, but reality is very different. Maybe. Yet we have to start where we are because where we are is the only place that the light is going to be revealed. See, the light that is our life, what they say, glorious light, of course glorious light, is not just so-called seen with the eyes or heard with the ears or tasted with the tongue, but it's the experiencing that pours forth as our life, moment, moment. So we can call it glorious light. Of course, in one sense, even in a scientific sense, everything can be termed as waves, vibrations of, if you want to call it light, fine, you want to call it sound, fine, you want to call it solid matter, fine, you want to call it something else, fine. All different wavelengths and aspects of this one functioning. Or not even this one functioning. This moment right now. But still, sometimes we use different words. And so in Bodhisattva's vow, talk about it is this glorious light. Or... We talk about it as a flash of thought on which grows a lotus flower which reveals the perfection which is always, always our life except that we miss it when we insist or as Joko says until we've shifted so to speak. or as she puts it there is no shift until we surrender to the sensations or into the experiencing or to the awareness until we ask and demand nothing and that's exactly what Bodhisattva's vow is all the conditions by which we ask and demand of so-called ourself or of so-called other beings or of the universe or of how and what we should and shouldn't experience, how and what we should and shouldn't feel, what thoughts should and shouldn't arise, what emotions should or shouldn't appear. It's only when we can let that be Not that they don't arise, but let that be. Even when, as we say in Bodhisattva's vow, they become a sworn enemy. Even when they don't do what we told them to and what they agreed to do and what they promised they would do, these show us, reveal to us, our own tendencies, our Call them expectation, call them demands, call them feeling hurt, neglected, abandoned. All of which are connected to what I should have and shouldn't have, or what I want and what I need. And that the universe somehow isn't doing it the way I know the universe should as opposed to seeing what is called for out of inhabiting and being this universe and experiencing our life, which then allows us to respond as our life and as we are. We are our life. Inside, outside doesn't make a difference except useful to talk about. So that when I need to put on clothes, I make sure I put them on outside. Or when I want food, I make sure I put it in my mouth. Other than that, it's just useful and skillful forms but not something that we want to hold to because holding to them makes us create trouble for ourselves and others so i wanted to start our discussion of practice this afternoon with this Since we started, we did the Bodhisattva's vow, we regularly do practice principles so that we can explore both so-called attachment and detachment and what it is and isn't for us and how it works, what caught and holding is and isn't. And not as some ideals or theories, but in our real life practice, and our real life circumstances. How... In Bodhisattva's vow, they set out all the thoughts emotions which normally would be a way to determine whether I should or shouldn't have anything to do with someone, whether I should or shouldn't be respectful based on how I evaluate them or think they will fit in with what I want or don't want, whether I think... in Bodhisattva's vow terms whether they're senseless things or something else evaluating them better or worse whether they're smart or foolish okay that's a good amount to give us something to begin exploring. So I'll stop here and we'll see whether we could make something of what I read in Bodhisattva's vow. If you want to move and if you'll be more comfortable, please adjust your seat, seating, adjust your seat. This glorious light is just one way of saying um, another way of saying it is glorious joy. As I mentioned yesterday, I think that when we talk about in N Kanon Kanangyo we talk about aspects of what it is to be who we truly are. But I'll stop and let you make something of what I've said and what I've read and of your practice at this point in sitting. Sure Can you say a little bit more about this shifting process? Well... How do you hear it? And then maybe we can go from
1: there. Well, so it to me like from <clears throat> looking at the world from...
0: You have to speak up a little time. more. It's it's it noisy out there and I can't quite hear.
1: It, it sounds to me like shifting from you know what's in it for me all the time, not even realizing that's what we're doing, uh-huh. to uh, opening up to not disregarding my own feelings or or,
2: uh-huh. or, or uh, preferences, but not making them a priority.
0: Well, in a way, that's well said. In a way, it's seeing what's called for now in the now of this present moment awareness as opposed to my, as you said, My priorities which I carry along with me or my demands sometimes or my I want this that we don't even realize we carry along with us except when it gets revealed when someone says something and all of a sudden we demand that they don't think of us in that way however we assume they're thinking of us. or. When something happens and we demand, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Even with simple things where there's no one particular to blame, but we're, I'll say, we're caught in traffic and traffic is slowed up and there's some sort of wreck in in the cross street and it's not moving for five minutes and we become furious because I can't back up, I can't do anything, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. Just, just as simple as that, where on every level we could see that, quote, there's no one I'm going to blame. And, I mean, well, I could blame the people who had the wreck, but other than that, certainly not the person in the car in front of me who's, still, who's just behind the car in front of them. Nevertheless, sometimes we might find that we're becoming more and more furious about that. That's an easy one, because that's easy to see. It's a little more difficult to see. I want, I should, I shouldn't. I'm feeling hurt by because she said that, because he didn't. Invite me to that, whatever. Yeah. To even see that that's practice. And to see that experiencing that without holding to the thoughts about it and the thoughts about the thoughts the blames and emotions about that because that's where we tend to go is is that's being a student of the way, a practitioner someone who sees their practice or simply observes thoughts feelings notices and experiences The bodily moment of in the car, not moving. That's exactly what we're doing. We're sitting in the car, not moving. Except all of a sudden there's all this... about not moving. If we were sitting in the car in front of our house and just decided I'm going to do my zazen in the car, there'd be no problem. And yet... There's a difference between there and there. Not that sitting there and going, vibrating with frustration, or etc. is of much use in, in getting the car to move. At least not as far as I know. And in fact, of course, it can contribute to all sorts of harm. Which... Comes out when people do all sorts of things and give themselves permission. I pick an easy one. That's an easy one. It's diff. It's different when it's with people. Sometimes it's with events. Sometimes it's just coming out and seeing a plant you've been nurturing, and you finally come out because you think now's the flower or the fruit is just going to be ready, and you come out and you see someone's eaten it. Or some things eaten it. It's even worse if, if it's not just some things eaten it, but you think a person came and took it. Then you really have a good reason to become furious. We do. Because they should know better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that in Bodhisattva's vow.
1: <laughs>
0: they should know better. <laughs> That's a good one. And it's good to notice when we say that to ourselves. See, if you remember, yesterday we used the some uh, dawn mentioned the no blame. No blame and no fault. See, that's the other thing. See, it's their fault because they should know better. And they should have more self-control. In a way, when we say beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance born of body, mouth, and thought in the Gatha of Atonement we're talking about the fact that everyone we encounter is, including us is a product of all of these forces of greed, anger, and ignorance not only so-called internally to them, but also that's been everyone that they encountered whether they're parents and all sorts of teachers and all sorts of other circumstances are also acting out of those greed, anger, ignorance. And most of the time don't notice what they're doing. Much of the time they might not have a conscious intention to harm even when they are doing that. I don't say it's always that way. It's Ours, that's why whether you talk about it in vow, whether joke, we look at how Joko talks about it or look at how others talk about it, it's in a way has to be almost a shift, a, a radical change, because otherwise, if we just continue what, what it, what's been done, then it just continues the same consequences. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, some people win, some people lose, and we got harm and suffering all around. And it's a matter of seeing that not only is it when we're on the cushion, which is relatively easy, relatively easy much of the time, It's then, how do I take it the next step afterwards? Meaning, off the cushion in our life. But of course, on the cushion is easy. Easy means you can do the work if you put your effort appropriately into doing it. Or if you allow yourself the no effort of experiencing awareness. But you have to allow yourself that. Because though we say we want it, we often aren't willing to allow ourselves by allowing ourselves that we have to allow the emotions and thoughts and wants, etc. to arise and pass without hooking on grabbing on, building, feeding them, nurturing them, which we have to allow. Because they come and go until they cease to come and go. One, two. Lisa? It's so easy
1: to think about these things in the abstract. (laughs) <laughs> um but when it comes to say my boss and uh-huh. one other person who I work with, um, you know, it's you know, to see well, each one of them in, in a different way. As the um what a, what is it, wonderful manifestation of the of the awakened life. Whereas the what is it like even if she should turn against
0: us and become a sworn enemy and abuse and persecute us? Then how does it we should sincerely bow down with humble language, in the reverent understanding that she is the merciful manifestation of the awakened life.
1: Yes, yes. I like see these people as the merciful manifestation of the awakened life. I mean, it reminds me of uh, something I heard some Chodron children say once about um, one of the lojong training things: just be grateful to everyone. Yeah. And you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a constant. Effort needs to be applied to to try to understand that in my interactions with you know with
0: them. So it, it's just a it, it's you, you can say it's ongoing effort, but it's not an effort to see it as that. In a way, the effort is to become sensitive to when I'm making a demand, when I'm caught in my liking or disliking, because then all I have to do is do the work with that, if I say it in that way, which allows the experiencing, which allows the awareness that is who we are, that doesn't take any effort. You don't... There is no effort to be experiencing because you don't exist except as experiencing.
1: But, but, the, but, but the effort is I don't want to give up my view of, of, of how, you know, how okay. I'm thinking about that sometimes. Yeah. That's the difficult that's part. That's right. Is to, you know, get past like the running tape of why is she like that? Why did she do that? Why is or whatever you know it is? And why doesn't he do that? Why you know and stuff like that. So,
0: we yes we want to make our demands on how others and the universe should be and that's why joko calls it a shift um, the shift from trying to improve ourselves or others the circumstances that we're living in shift it shift not because we try to shift it but be able to let that Fiddling or constant, um, uh, the word doesn't come to me. Constant fiddling, there's a, there's a word that, you know, bah, 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 trying to, to do all sorts of things, but it's all useless stuff because it doesn't do what we want, and if anything, it sort of makes it worse because. It generates tension with us and it generates more um, blind alleys um, and blind directions of self centeredness that creates more frustration and more anger because we're looking in the wrong places. As that old country tune goes, if I adapt it, looking for love in all the wrong places. So if you're looking in all the wrong places, you're not going to find what you want. Because it's always right here where you are. So if we look outside for it, if we look at it in demands on others or demands on our how the world has to be, on how I have to improve to get it, or how they have to improve to get it, then I'm not going to be able to be this life experiencing that I am. I'm not going to be able to embody this light that fills, that is a whole universe. That's always right in front of me. It's always right in front of me. It's not anywhere else. Even when I'm in the traffic jam, even when I'm starting to vibrate and then notice that, right there it is. And it's not that I've done anything wrong. It's when I notice the vibrating tension about being in the traffic jam that I have the opportunity to notice the thoughts and demands on the universe and then experience just as it is. Because this is the you to use the expression the gateless gate. This is the entrance way. This is if you want to use the language, this is God right in front of me. In Hebrew there is an expression which means God is always right in front of me. Always, 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 always. Which is never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. Always. Never failing. That means even if somehow it manages to get to the traffic jams too. And even when I'm upset and, and furious. But how do I be that? That's my practice, both my practice effort in being present and doing what I'm doing and in noticing where I'm insisting or where I'm removing myself from this moment. Sometimes my insistence is I want to go to sleep now so I don't have to be here. This isn't important enough for me to be present and attend to not this little thing, not this little steps that I'm taking between this office and the next office. Here I can, I don't need to be present. So we do it. And then we get the consequences. We miss that extent of the light of our universe life at, for those moments. And because we miss that, then we sort of continue what isn't skillful. One second, we'll get
2: to
1: the
0: first.
1: You answered. Okay, Wendy. Yeah, I just, um, I, I'm in, um, I just wanted to say something about that shift, um, my understanding, because I think it's helpful. Um, and one way of thinking about it is that for a very long time, thoughts are much more powerful than the option to open into bodily present moment experiencing. You know, so this process of noticing thoughts and that the, the shift, I think, is she, you know, sometimes would use this, her hand to show this curve that at a certain time after she would often emphasize that beginning Beginning practices anywhere between 10 and 20 years, but at a certain point, the shift is when the option to open in to bodily experience begins to be more of an option. That it's like you're being held, and that it's not that there's a, it's not that there's no resistance, but that this cultivating this capacity, you know, and she really emphasized that, that this is a very slow-going work, and that for a very long time, there doesn't seem, I, I mean, I know for myself that it felt like that was only thoughts for a very long time, but, you know, there's this shift that this opening in, and, you know, and it's not true that, that you're not able, at any moment, always, to, you know, open into listening, and body, pulsing, and breath, it becomes more powerful though, and I think that's very encouraging, you know, I mean, Dawn's not here, oh, no. Nope. but I was thinking like, you know, that, the, the thing that's, so encouraging about this practice is that you know, every time we're noticing a thought and returning to experience, that capacity is being fortified. And it, and it develops. I mean, I, I'm feeling myself that there's a shift happening that some of you know. I've been practicing for a really long time. And this shift is happening. And and she, you know, I remember having a conversation with her and I said, well, it's like 10 to 1. 10 thoughts to 1 option to feel something else. And she's like, that's right. And then it'll be 10 to 2. And then 10 to 3. 10 to 4. You know, and so I think that, you know, that that's, and, and that's the way I understand her talking about shift, the shift. You know, it's Um, Yeah, and since I'm experiencing it, uh, I'm very thankful that I didn't give up. (laughs) Um, But I do think, and I'm almost done, but I do think that all along there's something so alive that feels encouraged. It doesn't matter if it's ten to one that one is so important. There's something so alive that wants so much to be recognized and experienced. You know, so I, so it's always encouraging. I think that's... I recently sat a seven-day session The guy next to me had never sat a session in his life. And he sat a, a seven-day session and it's this session is like one of the most intense sessions I mean, just the schedule was unbelievable. And I was so... I was so, I found it so beautiful that this, you know, he's like in his 20s, and he just, he was stuck with it the whole seven days, and I was like, wow, you know, what is that, that in people, that even when it can feel very weak, it's still, it's singing, you know, it's alive, it's, and that is so beautiful, and uh, so even when it's 10 to 1, you know, that 1 is really big, Yeah, Yeah, I'm
2: done. You sometimes talk about trusting. Sorry,
0: Uh I didn't see you.
2: Yeah, 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 uh, trusting. Trusting. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and I think that's what comes up for me when you know. You know, I get caught up in something. To, to and, and you know, the I, I love voice as well. I think it's, it's beautiful. Really, you know, it, it I, 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 love it. And yet, I don't, I don't completely trust. You know, um, when she turns against me and becomes my sworn enemy, I should bow down. And, and I think um, maybe part of that is because I'm trying to think it out. You know, just figure out what does this mean. <laughs> how, uh-huh. am I, how am I supposed to make sense of this? But, um, but you know. But, but there's that, you know, that trust. I mean, it develops. Uh, but it, but I think um, that uh, for, for me, when I, when, I, when I'm in that place before the shift that she talked about, I, I think there's that there's some deep lack of trust that. Well, no, actually, I'm better off with thinking about it, you know. Yeah. But, Even though I know on some other level that's not true.
0: But th- that's very good, that the word you, you use, that we don't trust ourself and our life moment because, and so we'd rather hold on to our strategy or thoughts of how terrible it is and how I really have to do this to make sure I get what I need or want or fear I won't have. And even if what I do it might not be the best, but at least I trust that for some reason. And I don't trust that I can be present and respond to this in a skillful way. See, it's not, there isn't a stereotype, even though in Bodhisattva's vow, there's all these words that make us think there's a stereotyped way of how to do it. No. It grows out of being present um, or to think of it out of being able to act out of this connectedness that we are, this, if you want to say this unity, then we that we are rather than perpetuating this separateness, this self-centeredness, whether so-called mine or so-called theirs. So it's not clear what to do until we're present and see what to do. And we do our best. And it's not a matter of doing so-called perfect according to some ideal standard, but out of our being present and seeing what's called for.
2: One other thing, I'll just, if I may. Um, yeah. Just today, just today during Sashim, noticing places where I thought I needed to say something uh-huh. or, or, or not say something. And then if I... If, it didn't matter whether I said something or did something. But then I realized, you know, I really didn't need to say anything. Uh-huh. Because actually, just in life itself, it would take care of it um, in really some remarkable ways, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but... Uh, but you know, so I, I, I see that and I appreciate what, what you're saying about it.
0: Um, that's all. And sometimes it's very difficult with to stay with, I need to say something. I need to do something. That's a very almost visceral push. And that's the, in a way, the self-centered demand or fear. If, or as you said, if I don't, then what? Or if, even if I don't, if I don't see clearly what to do, how am I going to continue? If I don't decide this is what I'm going to do, even though I don't see clearly, I've got to decide something, because otherwise I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm just going to. And it's that willingness to let go of the, I've got to do and be the uncertainty when that's there not that we have to go looking for it but that's part of being this experiencing which might be quote uncomfortable or might be unknown or might be whatever the contraction that i don't want to experience and yet is there yes can call it. Terrifying. Oh, good. Terrifying is another good word. Or or fear. But terrifying is a more visceral, immediate um, one that we could notice. And rather than be terrified... Now, if there's something truly dangerous, then please don't don't say, oh, I'm just going to be terrified and that's... (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about that. But because... It grows out of being present and being present includes responding almost automatically, but not so automatically, but out of the present, no thought, no thinking, no planning of, you know, turning the car out of the way of the the car that's appeared out of the fog right in front of me or whatever that's terrifying, but we act before we even give ourselves a chance to know that we're terrified. Um, I was, I was more, more or less talking about
2: being in, being in sitting and, and uh, knowing that I should be letting
0: go of something, or maybe in, in that thought would come in my head that I should um uh, I should be more open, and then I would become aware, and you know all these
2: thoughts kind of come up, you know. Yeah. But uh, but then I start grasping on to things. It's like yeah. wait, wait, you know, I'm drowning.
1: You know, I'm, I'm in this river and I can't find the sides.
0: Yeah, you're in the should river, and the should river will drown us, um, because the shoulds whether it shoulds about us or shoulds about other people, will drown us so that we don't experience the moment awareness that we are. It won't kill us, at least hopefully not, but it will drown the present moment, so we miss it. And that's what we have, always this present moment see this never-failing manifestation if we use that phrase that's ours always not because it's somewhere else but it's always here that's why can't be missed and yet somehow we could miss it can't be missed. there's an expression here Even if you could miss striking the floor right below you, you still can't miss this. And it's pretty hard to miss striking the floor right here. And yet, we sometimes say, even if you could miss that somehow, you still can't miss this. Because it's not dependent on us. And yet, we have to do our effort, our practice. It's not created by us. It's, to use the expression, never failing.
1: I, can I just say one thing? I, I, I would just say that those are thoughts, you know, and so you're not missing the moment. You're noticing that you're having a thought, oh, I should let go. Oh, I should, you know, the, just noticing those thoughts and you know, I mean, that's great, you're, you're awake to what's happening, you're having the thought, I should be letting go, and so you can notice that as a thought, and then experiencing what, what else is going on, you know, so I think, you know, I, I respect the river of should, I'm just saying, like, you know, we can't really be drowned, and there's no, there's no thought that's really dangerous, there, and, and, and they they feel dangerous when we're believing them. So it's like believing that thought. And basically, there's probably a thought too. I'm doing it wrong. I'm <laughs> really messing this up. You know.
0: I guess the real thought is, if I let go, if I what's left. And that's go good. Me, yeah. That's left? good. See that what's left is a great place to go to, to be. Be that what's left. Okay. Thank you.